So we have a great feast today, um, and it was back in 2016 uh, that this liturgical celebration that was a memorial, remember the highest is a solemnity, those are usually reserved for just our Lord and Mary, just a couple are not, like John the Baptist, but underneath solemnity are feasts and then memorials. This used to be a memorial. It's now been elevated to a feast. Um, and so this is powerful. For now, we, we had heard Brother Ken sing the beautiful Gloria, which you don't do in a memorial, but you do in a feast. So we also, when it's a feast, you have prayers and readings proper to that feast. It's not just from the day. So we're not reading about maybe Jesus healing a leper today. We're actually reading a what we call proper reading to the feast and that is Mary Magdalene. Now, Archbishop Roque said, this feast seeks to reflect more deeply on the dignity of women, on the new evangelization, on the greatness of the mystery of God's mercy, women and mercy. Now, this is awesome because I've already done a talk on Mary Magdalene on one of our Saturday Explaining the Faith talks, is last year during her feast day at this time. You can find that on our YouTube channel. But I'm excited in the future, shortly, I'm going to be doing a talk on the women of the Bible. So Rebecca and Sarah and, Ju and Esther, these are great women of the Bible. And I want to do a talk on that in an upcoming Saturday talk. But this is purpose is divine mercy and the dignity of women. Let's look at this. Women deserved dignity and didn't really have it back then. This is one of the greatest arguments in favor of the resurrection from a secular point of view or science, um, you know, real, uh, not of the faith. And that is if the apostles stole the body, they would not have used a woman, no offense, ladies, but they would not have used a woman to claim an empty tomb because legally there had to be two male witnesses. There had to be two male witnesses. Then people would have believed it really happened. They did not allow female witnesses in court. So by picking Mary Magdalene to be this first witness wouldn't have made sense unless it really was of God. But now the role of women has been elevated and dignified because Christ went to a woman first, and who is his greatest masterpiece of creation? The woman, Mother Mary. Now, she's the first evangelizer, all right? She's the first person to see the empty tomb and to hear the truth of the resurrection from Christ himself, all right? She'll see the, the basically, she's the first person to announce this message even before the apostles, she is the first evangelizer, even before the apostles did. What about divine mercy? Oh, she's the perfect example. She's identified with three other women who received God's mercy in the gospel. Do you remember these? These are all argued that these are all Mary Magdalene, the sinful woman who anointed Jesus' feet, remember, and washed them with her tears. All right, Mary of Magdala, which calls it right out, where seven demons were cast out. But also Martha and Mary, who we just read about a couple days ago, Lazarus sisters. 
Many believe that this Mary, Mary and Martha, the one who sat at the feet while Martha worked, and I defended Martha a couple days ago in a homily, but many believe that this is Mary Magdalene, Lazarus' sister, Martha's sister, who got Jesus' special time and attention by sitting at his feet. The first witness to divine mercy is a gigantic sinner. What a message. The greater the sinner, the greater his right to my mercy. That blows people away. People want to hear that. We scream for justice, justice. Be careful asking for justice because you're going to get it. We beg for mercy. And the greater the sinner, the greater his right to my mercy. We see that the first witness of divine mercy is the biggest sinner. Beautiful. It's also one of the few places in the Bible where someone encounters an angel without fear. That just doesn't happen. Mary was so grieved at the loss of Jesus that she was even unaffected by an angel. How many of us would be so into our Lord that we would be unaffected by an angel? Most of us would be going, ah, we would be afraid. And most in the Bible were. It's most likely that she could not even see Jesus probably through her tears, the church fathers tell us. You know, possibly some of the church fathers say that she couldn't take her eye off the tomb. She was so focused and she had her back to Jesus when he was talking to her and that's why she didn't recognize him at first. All right? In any event, the whole story is plastered with her love. She came back to the tomb. She did. She had taken then her message to Peter. Notice it points out Peter and the others. Important. It shows that he's the head of the apostles. All right. She was left behind. They raced to the tomb. But she kept going. And then she's, I will take him away. Basically, how was she going to be able to take Jesus away? On the shroud, it appears from scientific studies that the shroud, the man on the shroud is about 5 foot 10, 5 foot 11, and about 175 pounds. Now, how is little Mary Magdalene going to carry away that body? She didn't worry about that, thanks. Oh, and add to that 100 pounds of spice. So you got 175 pounds pound body and you add to that the shroud that wrapped a bunch of spices now you got a 275 pound object how in the world is she going to carry that away purely love i always quote blessed Bers uh, uh consolata bertoni you just worry about loving me and i will take care of everything else to the smallest detail. <laughs> well, that seems like a pretty big detail, how you're going to move a 275-pound object. But she trusted. So then Jesus says to Mary, Touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but yet in a few verses later, we hear him telling Thomas to touch him. <clears throat> so it's, I got interested in this topic. So I, I went back to the church fathers and I read what they said. 
And uh, St. Augustine says, basically, it's almost as if Jesus said, don't go on clutching me selfishly to yourself. In a short time, I'm going back to my father, and I want to meet my disciples before them. So don't detain me. I need to go meet my disciples first. Then I got to send to the father. So don't hold me back. Some say that's why he said didn't touch me. Now, here's what's interesting. Others believe that Jesus didn't let Mary touch him with her hands because her hands were not consecrated. But he let Thomas touch him with his hands because Thomas's hands were consecrated as a priest. Now that would lend a lot of credence to receiving Holy Communion on the tongue and not on the hands because the hands are not consecrated. But again, in the United States, the adult, ha adult has been given, so you are not sinning by receiving in the hand. But it does raise an interesting question. Now, Jesus begins to call his disciples, did you catch this? Friends, not servants. He then calls them brothers. Oh, that means Jesus had brothers. No, it's an expression brothers, despite the fact that they ran away. You know, that's why we're not God. What does God do? He calls them brothers, even if they ran away. Now, if that was myself and brother Mark and brother Ken and cameraman Giuseppe ran away on me, the first thing I would say is where the heck were you guys? <laughs> you totally abandoned me. What were you thinking? Come on. That's why we're not God. And God is God. Because he said to them, friends, brothers, he showed them his love despite their infidelity. Wow. Because now of his death and resurrection, they had become God's children. That's why he calls them brothers. He's the son of God. Now through the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they become the adopted sons of God. They are now his brothers. This is why we hear Jesus say brothers. God is the father. We too are adopted sons of children of God. So we too are brothers. That's why we have God is our father. Jesus is our brother. What's missing? Our mother. So that's why Mary plays the role of mother. It makes sense. It completes a family. Oh, but boy, you read some of those comments from yesterday. Boo, there were some big ones. Mary is nothing to me, one comment said. She is absolutely nothing to me but a sinner. Wow. I'm not condemning that. I'm just saying you're really missing out on some huge gift. Your mother. So, to finish, Mary Magdalene is mentioned in all four Gospels 12 times. You know that this is more than most of the apostles, other than Peter and John. It's pretty amazing. She has just found him, and now she's sent away with a commission. What? As the ancient church puts it, she becomes an apostle to the apostles. That's her title. Did you know that? Mary Magdalene's title is the apostle to the apostles. Now, is this a contradiction? The other gospels say that there were three other women at the tomb. 
Now, this one doesn't mention that. It just says Mary was at the tomb. But the other gospels say there were three women at the tomb. All right, now remember, to not include something does not mean it didn't happen. There are different perspectives, okay? So if I say that myself and somebody else were at the ball game, all right, back in uh, college, um, at the University of Michigan, I had season tickets to the University of Michigan football. And I would say, uh, Julie, my girlfriend and, my, and myself had season tickets. We were at the game. Now, I never mentioned that there were 110,000 other people. Does that mean that there were not 110,000 other people because I said Julie and I were at the game? No, it doesn't mean there weren't others. It doesn't contradict it. I was at the game in 1997 when Michigan beat Ohio State. Well, that doesn't mean that there wasn't 110,000 other people there. And because this gospel just talks about Mary, doesn't mention it conflicts with the other gospels that say there may have been other women there. So this is important. Now, same if you had like an accident. If there was an accident down at the bottom of the hill and three people saw it, None of the three people would have to lie, but they would probably give little different details. Doesn't mean it contradicts the others. This is why people who dismiss the Bible of contradiction, there is no contradiction in the Bible, just different perspectives. All right, and to finish, <clears throat> I love this story, and I said this on my talk last year on Mary Magdalene, you can find it online. The Easter egg. Some of you who saw this talk remember that story. I love it, I, I wanna share it to finish. Easter eggs. She had a direct, tradition says, responsibility for the Easter egg. So why Easter eggs? Why do we have Easter eggs on Easter? No, it's not because the Easter bunny is some deity, which some people have made. Easter eggs represent new life. And an egg cracking and a little chick coming from it, bursting from the egg is like Christ bursting from the tomb new life and the egg is the perfect example because it's like this tomb and all of a sudden this tomb cracks open and this new life bursts forth that's why we have easter eggs at easter it's a new life but i love this little story of tradition tradition says mary magdalene after christ's death and resurrection got an invitation to a banquet given by the Roman Emperor Tiberius. This is tradition. You don't have to believe this, but it's tradition. And when she met him, she held out a plain egg in her hand, for the reason I just explained, and said, Christ is risen. She was a little evangelizer. Now he laughed at her, and said Christ rising from the dead was as likely as that egg in her hand turning red. Well, you guessed it. The egg turned bright red right there in her hand, and she proclaimed the gospel, and all the members of the imperial house were listening. That's why we color Easter eggs on Easter. Now, whether or not it's true, that's how the tradition started. So we have the egg to represent Christ bursting from the tomb, and it's colored, we color them 
because the tradition says Mary Magdalene at the house of Tiberius had it, and he said, the odds of Christ resurrecting are the same as that egg turning red in your hand. It turned red in her hand. So now we have colored Easter eggs. So please, parents and grandparents, don't just make Easter Sunday morning about an Easter bunny. And make it about the story of what that egg really symbolizes. Christ resurrecting from the tomb. And with that comes the mercy that he had on the greatest sinner. I know I don't want to get into this, but whether or not she was a prostitute or not, you can see my talk on Mary Magdalene online. I get into all that detail. But God bless you because we are all sinners. And Jesus' mercy, shown first to Mary Magdalene, is in abundance for us too. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.